0: Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. we were led to do this. The the message that he's going to be teaching is very, very important. It's going to be a church-wide thing. We're going to have books available. It's going to be a whole uh, big deal. And of course, I'm going to get up and I'm still probably going to preach little mini-messages around the sermon. Uh, But... Anyway, it's going to be something we're going to be launching on Father's Day. And here's why I felt that we needed to launch it on Father's Day. Because how many of you fathers realize that it's an important job of ours to pass on a legacy in our families? And I believe one of the most important jobs we have is to pass on a legacy of generosity. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about having generous spirits, in our families and that's one of the most important things that we can pass on because if the more you give the more, the more you give the more you look like God again I'm not talking about money I'm talking about being a generous spirit because God God doesn't just hand out money does he? But God is a giver, and the more we give of ourselves, whether it be our time, whether it be of of our our attention to people, whether it be of our resources to people, then we start to look more like Christ. And so we're going to do that, launching it on Father's Day, and I've got a quick clip of Robert Morris uh, explaining a little bit of what it's like, so let's go ahead and let's roll the clip. everyone i want to remind you that in two weeks we begin the blessed life simulcast god has used the truths in this series to change people's lives all over the world and he wants to change your life also told you it was real quick so it was just real quick uh, but two weeks from today, again, something very unique. We may never do anything like this again, so you want to get in on it uh, this summer. It's going to be a blast. A little bit of June, a little bit of July, and then we'll be into something else. Today we're going to be doing uh, week three of Unmasked. Unmasked. And to roll, to kick this one off, I have to show you a video. So let's roll this one. Okay, we're going to play a game. Avery, you're going to close your eyes. And What's you're gonna, this game called? It's called the Trust Game, Trust Fall Game. Trust Fall so Avery, you're gonna close your eyes and you're gonna fall and you're gonna see if you can trust Dad to catch you, okay? Okay. Close your eyes and just fall down, okay? Don't worry. Okay, then Lauren's gonna close catch your eyes. you. Close, your eyes. close your eyes, okay. Okay, it's called the okay. trust fall. Okay, trust fall. Ready, set, go. <laughs> Alright. All right. Hey, Izzy,
1: hey.
0: go. Yeah, how many guys know there is a fine line sometimes between stupidity and trust, isn't it? Fine line between stupidity and trust, and here's the fine line. It, what, what it matters, what the, the difference is, is uh, who you trust and what you trust. There's a fine line. And so today, I want to unmask where we're putting our confidence. Last week, though, I left you with the question. And the question was this. If you came to a fork in the road in walking with God, and one side of the road, one path went off this way, and it was to please God, and one path went off this way, to trust God, and you could only choose one as your primary motivation, to please God or to trust God, which one would you take? Because pleasing God is a really good motivation, isn't it? It's something we ought to desire to do, to please God. But how many of you guys know that trusting God is also a good motivation? It's something we should want to do, to trust God. So if you could only pick one as the primary motivation of your life, which one would you choose? And many of you guys chose the right answer, but the, the right answer is to trust God. Now that's hard for us because we want to please God. We want to have fruits that please God. We want to say we want to please God. And so it's hard for us just to trust God. But Hebrews 11, chapter 6, says this. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please. So if you want to please, you cannot do it without trusting God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so, in other words, it's saying that trust has to come first before you can please. Now, the danger is most of us, we want to please God so bad, and we want other people to to look like we're pleasing God so bad that what we do is we we skip the trust and we try to create a life that looks like we're pleasing God and so we've got our list of things that we think oh this is what pleases God this is what pleases God this is what pleases God so I'll just do that and without trust we can't please the Bible's saying listen how strongly it says this if you want to please God but you're not trusting first, it's impossible to do. And you will never, no matter how much you think you're pleasing God, if trust is not present, you are not pleasing God. Now, that's a pretty powerful thing to say. And so we talked about the last few weeks that God doesn't work on who we pretend to be. God works on who we actually are. And so many of us, we come and we, we put on this, this whole mask that, okay, I'm doing just fine. Now, how many of you guys have put on that mask before? You weren't fine, but you put on a mask and said, everything's cool in my life, right? How many of you guys put that mask on this morning? That things may not be going right. and you put So you can't say it because you're wearing a mask right now. You can't even let it off right now because things may not be going just fine. But we want to say they're doing just fine. And so that's what we do when we try to focus purely on pleasing God without trusting God. And so faith becomes extremely important in our walk with God if we want to move forward in our walk with God here's why it's very very important because whatever you put your trust in becomes your savior whatever you put your trust in becomes your savior and it becomes your master so let me give you an example if you put your trust in the economy it becomes your savior now what do I mean by that if your trust and your hope financial for your financial life is in the world's economy, then whenever you have your personal economy is struggling and you reach out to the world's economy for hope and for help and the world's economy isn't doing so well, how many of you guys know it, it has become your Savior, but it may not be very faithful at being your Savior, is it? And I know a lot of people, their their whole life rises and falls on what's going on with the stock market, market, the economy, you know, our 401k, whatever it is, because our trust is really in the economy instead of God being our source. How many of you guys know that provision doesn't have to come in the form of money? God's provision. And yet so many of us have put our hope or our trust in the form of green pieces of paper or in the form of the economy. So that when things are bad, where do we reach for for help? We reach for the economy. We reach for some sort of provision in the natural instead of God being our source. And whatever you trust, it becomes your savior, but it also becomes your master. Okay? Because if you are trusting in the economy, then what happens? It becomes Lord over you. You have to play by its rules now. You have to play by its timelines You have to play by whatever numbers are coming out of the economy instead of God's economy. Are you guys hearing me this morning? See, wherever we put our trust, that becomes our Savior, and it not only becomes our Savior, it becomes our Master. So how do we know where we're putting our trust? I think a lot of times circumstances reveal where our trust really is. I'm thinking about the prodigal son story. He had his trust in inheritance, right? It was all in riches. He had all these riches that he had, and he wanted to take with him. Because his trust was in riches. And so he walked out of his father's house. He walked away from a relationship because his trust was in riches. And then all of a sudden what happened? His, his riches started to run out. He had a little bit of a, of a recession in his personal economy. And all of a sudden he's sitting there in a pig pen with nothing left. And he's reaching out for hope in the economy. And he's got nothing. And he realized that all his trust has been there. And his economy savior is not very faithful. And all of a sudden, he remembers his relationship He says, oh, my father's house, that's where it's all at. It's back in my father's house. You see, circumstance, how many of you guys have ever had circumstances reveal your true Savior before? We all have. We've all had some circumstance that all of a sudden, whenever things are going bad in our marriage, whatever you grab onto, whatever you trust first, that's your Savior. And so, whatever you trust, that's what you've got to have help in, right? If if your relationships are bad, whatever you reach for, that becomes your Savior. If if your kids are screwed up, whatever you reach for, that has become your Savior. When your finances aren't going so well, whatever you reach for, that's where you've put your trust. And, And so, we've got to be careful where we put our trust because it becomes our Savior and it becomes our Master. And so, whatever we trust, we've got to watch. Now, I was reading a Uh, book this week, and there was a quote in here I'm going to bring out for you. It said this, where we spontaneously look for information on how to live shows how we truly feel and who we really have confidence in. Where we spontaneously, so it's that reaction, it's that first go-to. Whatever we reach out for when our marriage is in trouble. That's showing where our real Savior is. Whatever we reach out to when our finances aren't going the way we want, that's where our real Savior is. Be careful where you put your trust. Because how many of you guys know, the economy is not a faithful Savior, is it? And many of these other things we reach for spontaneously are not faithful saviors. But how many of you guys know, we serve a faithful God. We do. We serve a faithful God. So why is it hard for us sometimes to reach out spontaneously for God? I believe it's hard for us because we have some trust killers in our life. We have some things that that kill our trust with God. The first thing that kills our trust is pride. How many of you guys have ever had that one before? Pride. It's like that I got this moment, you know, with God. It's like, I got this. And we put our head down and we just say, God, I'm just going to work hard. I got this. You know, whenever things get really bad, then I'll ask for help from you. But I got this in the meantime. And really, it usually ends up in us spinning around in circles, doesn't it? We, we usually don't turn out so well when we have that I got this moment, right? Uh, this week, I was mowing my yard. I've got a riding lawnmower, so I'm there mowing my yard, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, the wheel flies off, the front wheel. And there, I'm like, what in the world? And I'm sitting there. And so I decide I'm going to try to fix this thing. I'm not very mechanical. And so I, just, I get online. I start looking at stuff. And I MacGyver this thing up. And I get the wheel going on. And I'm so proud of myself for fixing this whole tire, using random parts. And, and so I take it out to test drive it again after a day or two. And, and I make about four laps around the yard. I'm just so happy. And all of a sudden, boom, wheel falls off again. I'm like, okay, forget it. I'm going to order the real parts. I'll actually grease it this time, uh, you know, because evidently you're supposed to do that. And, uh, and so uh, in the meantime, my grass was just super tall. Have you guys ever had that get away from you before? I mean, just like because all the rain, my mower being broke, my grass was super tall. And so I just decided, hey, I'm going to go and try to borrow my brother's mower because he's got like a zero turn he lives the street away and I'm going to go try to borrow my brother's mower and so I go in there and, and I ask him hey can I borrow your mower he's like yeah sure so I go over there how many of you guys have ever driven a zero turn mower before anybody how many of you guys have not all right you're who I'm talking to uh so I get in and I and I'm, you know, it, it works a little different, you know, brakes and all this type of stuff. and Everything just kind of works different. And so Ben's giving me a little tutorial on how to drive this thing, and, and so he sends me away with a smirk. And I'm driving away, and I'm driving away, and I look like I'm drunk driving the zero turn, because it's just like and I get into my yard because it's just weird. You just don't know how to do it. And so I get in my yard, and my first path is like, and it's just like looks like I'm drunk driving the zero turn. Finally, I also forgot that it has a big old roll cage thing on the back to keep it from like if you flip over you won't die. And so I'm sitting there driving that and normally with my other rider I'm driving under trees and ducking. And so I just keep going. I'm just going full speed. I don't know what I'm doing. I get under a tree, all of a sudden that thing hits a branch. There's branches in my face. I'm spinning around in circles. I'm just spinning around. I almost died into the tree, backed out and I was just like, "Thank you Jesus for saving my life." But how do you guys know, that's the way we look sometimes. I was like, I got this, I got this. I'll just spin around, and I did not have it. Pride in our life, that's what we look like many times spiritually. Let me tell you another trust killer, pressure. And when I talk about this, I mean pressure to fill in the gaps. How many of you guys are that type of person that whenever there's a pause in a conversation, it gets really awkward for you? Anybody? Type of person. And you just want to fill in the gaps with words. I know some people like that, right? You just want, you just blurt out something, right? You just got to fill in the gaps with something. That's kind of what we do with God sometimes. We only get partial information sometimes with God. And since we don't trust God, our temptation is to try to fill in the gaps with what we assume is God. And it becomes a trust killer. Because we just cannot seem to make the leap from one awkwardness or one incompleteness to the next. And so we have this pressure to fill in the gaps. Let me tell you another trust killer, and that's our past. How many of you guys have ever had a past situation that didn't go right? And so the next time we go to God, we just think, man, I don't know if I can trust because of what's happened in the past. I love this story uh, out of uh, the story I heard a long time ago, of Thomas Edison, and he's, you know, working on the light bulb. and, And it said, as the story goes, that it took him 20, a team of people, 24 hours straight to build this thing. And so they get done with it and he needs it carried upstairs. And so as the story goes, he calls for a young boy who's kind of cleaning up around the shop and helps around the shop, and he calls for the young boy to carry this light bulb upstairs to to place it upstairs. And so the young boy is so nervous because he's got this new thing, and he's every step, he's just very cautious, and he's very nervous, and he just doesn't want to break this, and he gets clear up to the top of the set of stairs, and he drops it, and it breaks, and so they have to take the whole team of people another 24 hours to build this thing. And Edison is tired. He's ready for a break. He's ready to be done. And all of a sudden, he, he calls back for somebody to carry this thing upstairs. And what does he do? He, ca- he called that very same boy to carry that light bulb up the stairs. How I mean, you guys know that's trust, isn't it? That's kind of a picture I see with us before God We've got some very fragile things in our life, don't we? I mean, it could be a relationship. It could be a hope. It could be a dream. It could be a situation. And we're like giving it to God saying, God, please don't break this. And we sin, and God takes off with it. And we're like, God, I've got something very important. To, please, I just, and it's hard for us to let him hold that, isn't it? It's hard for us. I, I, it reminds me of a story that I've told here before, but back when I was 17, I, I was, uh, had my eye on, on this girl who's back at the sound booth, which she's now my wife, just in case you wanted to know if this is your first time, um, but our 20th anniversary is coming up this month, and so I had my eye on her, but we were kind of just hanging, we weren't dating or anything, we were just kind of hanging around in groups, And but I felt like we're, there's supposed to be something more than us just hanging around with groups, right? And groups, we're, we're supposed to be a thing, Right? And so I called her up one night, and I'm just, I'm saying, I'm kind of hinting around it, and I'm using my best pickup lines and all this stuff, and, and uh, but finally, I'm, I'm kind of like, are we going to be more than just a, a hanging around in groups? Are we going to be more than just friends, like check yes or check no, you know, over the phone? And she checked no, and I remember hanging up the phone that night, and I was just like sitting there saying, what happened, you know, what happened, what went wrong? And I felt like it was God. I felt like I was, you know, going in the right direction. What happened? And I remember sitting down that night, and I opened up my Bible, and I opened up and I read these words out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. And I remember sitting there in that moment, and I had a choice to make, and I, and I said, God, I, I'm going to give this to you. Please don't break it. And I remember it was like one of the first times that I really surrendered something that was big in my life. It was one of the first times that I I really exchanged my will, what I thought was right, and even what I thought was God's will, and I exchanged it, and I said, God, I'm I'm giving this to you. It's very important to me. Please don't break it, and and I'll let you do with it what you will, and I trust you with it. And I, and I left it at that. And I went for the next couple months and I just said, God, that's yours. And then I went and started hanging out with this other chick and she got jealous and the rest is history. So uh, God works in different ways. But, uh, but that's the way it is with God. Trust is a big thing with God. Trust is a big thing with God. And I think many of us, we have those things that we're saying, God, I'm trusting you with this. And maybe in the past something's happened and it's hard for us to give it away again. And I think it's time for us to just Lift up our hands to believe again and say, God, I'm going to trust again. You're my refuge. You're my source. You're my strength. Let me tell your story with you out of Luke chapter 5, verse 4. It says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night. You don't understand. We spent all night. These were fishermen. And they spent all night, and they didn't catch a thing. How many of you guys have had a fishing day like that before, right? All night didn't catch a thing. They're fishermen. They know how to do this. And, and Peter says something very important. He says, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now that's quite a turnaround, isn't it? How many of us could really say in our heart that we really believe that God's ways are the best ways in the end? We may not see how, but here Peter says, at your word, I'm going to move forward. And he could only do this because he trusted that God had something better in mind at the end. And and even though we say that on the inside, I can tell you I've met so many people in my life who say, God told me to do this. I feel like it's God's will for me to do this. I know that I'm supposed to do this. And then they'll add, but, and they'll come up with 10,000 excuses as to why it's not possible. But I don't have enough money. But you don't understand my family situation. But you don't understand what I've done in the past. But you don't, and we come up with 10,000 reasons as to why we can't do what we know God is put in front of us. Can I just tell you this something I heard a long time ago? God's will is always possible. Some of us are sitting there looking at something that God asks us to do, and we're thinking, "How are we going to do that? I don't have money. I don't have money. I'm not. I'm not called. I can't be do that because I'm not qualified." God's will is always possible. And if God tells us and drops some faith in our heart, that means it's possible for us to do that. Now, a lot of people say, but I'm, you don't understand, I'm nothing without God. How many of you guys agree with that? I'm just nothing without God. I believe that. I'm nothing without God. But here's the thing. Whenever you get saved, you're never without God. Let that sink in for a second. Yes, it's true. We're nothing without God. But when you get saved, you're never without Him. And so with God, all things are possible. Everything he drops into your heart, as a faith drop, it is possible with him. Let me share uh, with you another story in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And he called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now listen to the gravity of this next verse. Okay, Put yourself in the situation. God's speaking for you to do this. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and don't even have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. How would you respond if God came to you and told you, in the next season of your life, I want you to have no money in the bank. I want you to only have the pair of clothes you have on. I don't want you to know where you're going to sleep tonight. And, and, and I want you to, to just go out by faith. One pair of clothes, no money in the bank, no food in the pantry, nowhere to sleep that night. That's what he told them. Now, Sometimes we just read scripture and we're just like, oh, that's a nice story. But think about what that would be like if God asked you to do that. It's like God telling you to take a step that you don't know where your foot is going to land. That's what he told him. And again, I think a lot of us would say, God is my source. God is my source. Oh, Lord, he's my source. And whenever I need something, it's from God. But if we had a circumstance like that, how many of you guys would be pretty quick to reveal that maybe he's not my source as much as I think? Actually, I think what would happen is we wouldn't say no to God. We'd come up with reasons why that's not God. And we would say, well, no, you can't because, you know, the Bible says I'm supposed to provide for my household. And the Bible says, Proverbs says an ant. We come up with all these things instead of going off the word of God that we heard in the right now moment, wouldn't we? And we wouldn't even get to the place of saying no because we'd have 10,000 excuses before that. Now, again, I'm not saying that God does that, that God is telling you to do that. But what I'm trying to get at is this. When was the last time that you really took a real step of faith, where you really lifted up your foot and you didn't know where it was going to sit down? When was the last time you did something that you couldn't have done, with, that you had all, didn't have all the information and you just stepped out? When was the last time? Because I think some people here are battling some things today. Maybe you got a situation and it looks too big for you. Maybe you've got a circumstance. Maybe it's something in your body, something in a relationship, something with your finances, something with a dream, and it looks too big for you, and you've already come up with all the reasons as to why not to even go there anymore. And what I'm trying to do, get that thing in your mind, whatever that is. Get that thing in your mind. I think it'll help you as we talk through the rest of the sermon. Because here, here's the main point of the sermon. Sometimes our actions expose our beliefs. See, we say we believe, but the way we're acting about what we say we believe is exposing what we really believe. And so I want to talk with the time remaining. Uh, 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 James chapter 1, verse 22 says it best. It says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Here's what it's saying. If you're just listening and never acting, you've deceived yourself and you're wearing a mask. It, and it goes on to say, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and then he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer but who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here's what that verse simply says. Do what you believe. Not, not believe what you believe. It says do what you believe. Very simply, do what you believe. Don't wear a mask of deception. How many of you guys would agree that faith could be simply defined as believing, right? If we think of faith, we just think believing. And in fact, Hebrews 11, verse 1, says it this way in the Amplified. It says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things that we do not see, and the conviction of their reality Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith is believing, but I want you to see here, it says something deeper than that. It says faith is like a title deed. So when I signed a contract to buy my house, I owned that house, didn't I? I owned the house even before I took the key and stuck it in the lock, opened the door, and walked through that. When did I own the house? When I walked through it or when I signed the paper? How many get it simple? When I signed the paper. And the Bible says that faith is like signing the paper. You haven't walked through the door yet. There's some space and time between signing the paper and walking through the door, but you own it back here, okay? And so faith is believing that. But walking by faith is different than just saying I believe something. Walking by faith is when our actions line up with our believing regardless of the circumstances. Let me say that again. Walking by faith is when our actions line up with our believing, regardless of the circumstances. That was so good that I'm going to say it again. Walking by faith is when our actions line up with our believing, regardless of our circumstances. And a lot of us say, oh, I believe this or I believe that. But we're not walking by faith. Our actions aren't lining up with our believing because of circumstances. So why why is it hard to walk by faith sometimes? I believe what hinders us walking by faith is because our act is out of order. Let me explain. Our act is out of order. I'm going to give you three words, believe and receive and act. There's three words, act, receive, believe. Believe, act, receive. Our act many times is out of order. Let me give you wrong order number one, and it's this. Act believe, receive. Wrong order, number one. Act, believe, receive. How many of you guys have ever known someone who just acts on anything? They may get a good idea and they just jump out and act on it, right? And and here's what happens. A lot of people will do that and they'll see other people acting and doing things. They'll see other people with good ideas or God ideas or God doing something in their life. And so they say, well, I'm going to just jump out and do that. They didn't have real faith, but their hope is that when they jump out and act, it will create some trust in their life towards God, right? And what it does is it's put the cart before the horse. So now we've got, we're trying to please God, hoping that it leads to us trusting God more, and then we'll receive whatever God has for us. Do you realize that's a works mentality? Because if I'm trying to do things to please God, hoping that I'll get more trust It's just based on works and trying to work and trying to earn my way to God. And so our act is out of order. So many times we will jump out and we'll act, but there's no faith. So I could say it this way. If you don't have faith for healing, don't stop taking your pills. That's how people die, okay? If you don't have faith for it, don't act on it. Don't act and then hope you have faith and then hope you receive. You'll probably die doing something like that. And yet, that's what people do many times, and then that's what they'll say. Well, I acted, and I tried to have faith, and it didn't work, so this whole faith thing must not work. It doesn't work for me. Because all they did is they saw someone else do something, and so they tried it themselves without having real faith, hoping to receive, and they left empty-handed. And they say, well, this whole faith thing doesn't work. I could say it this way. Actions don't generate faith, but faith ought to be generating some action. Actions don't, we think it will, but it doesn't. And and so wrong order number one is act, believe, receive. Wrong order number two, believe, receive, act. And this is where a lot of people camp out. They say they get a really good word from God, something they know they're supposed to do with their life, something they know they're supposed to do in their finances, their relationship, their marriage, whatever. And so they say, okay, God, I believe that. Now, show me some evidence or something I can work with, and then I'll act upon that. So we, we get a word, and then we say, okay, now I need some, some evidence or some proof before I start acting. I need some, you know, God tells us to go do something with our life, and we say, okay, God, I don't have the money, so give me the money, and then I'll start making preparations. How many times have we been there, right? Let me give you a negative example from my own life, a negative example, and I, I, I kind of went back and forth on whether I was going to share this because I don't like giving a negative example of my life, but something that happened just about a month ago, as I said earlier, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary, and so we're trying to be looking at the, you know, what do we want to do? We want to take a trip, and we, we didn't have any money set aside in that budget category for some sort of trip about a month ago, and so I'm thinking, hey, we'll just be like hippies and we'll just put like a mattress in the van and we'll just drive, you know, that sounds real romantic, doesn't it? But she was game, so I'm like, okay, let's just do that, you know. And about a month ago, I heard God tell me, go out of the blue, go buy your passport. Go, go get a passport. And I'm like, God, that doesn't make sense. If I use the money, that the, some money that I have set aside for that category to spend it all on passports, then there's no, nothing set aside to actually go anywhere. So why would I do that? And so I knew it was God. And again, a negative example, I just put it on the shelf. I said, well, I'd, I want to see some money in that category before I'm going to go buy a passport. How many of you guys think that's pretty reasonable, right? That's just what, what we do. And so I, I set it on the shelf. And I moved on. Well, over the last month or so, some things rearranged. Some unexpected things happened. Some blessing here and there. And all of a sudden, now there's some money in the budget category. And now I don't have a passport, right? So I go to check on the passports. And now they're like two or three times what they were back then. Ridiculous amount, right? And God is just saying, this is a perfect sermon illustration of what not to do that you can share with people. And so God is saying, listen, if you would have just acted back then On what you believed, you would have received, right? So I had my act out of order, and that's what we do many times. We say, God, I know you're calling me to go do this thing, but I don't have the money in the bank, so I'm not going to make any preparations towards it. God, I know, I believe that your promise says that I'm healed, and I really believe in healing, and I believe your promise says I'm healed. But here's what most of us do. Instead of, we think, I've got to receive something before I'm going to act like it. And so we, we know God's promises for healing, and yet we're walking around acting like we're sick all day long. we we we'd say we believe we're healed, but we, we just act like we're laying in bed, we're sick. But again, that's not God's order. If we really believe that we are healed, what ought we be doing? We ought to be getting up and testing that out and saying, God, I'm not going to act like I'm sick if I believe I'm healed. Some of you guys are just like, that, Sean, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I'm submitting that it's the Bible. I think that that's what we see in the Bible. That, the, that we, we don't have to receive a feeling before we act, and yet that's where most of us end up camping out. We, we just go into believe, receive, act mode. And the question is, do we really believe? Now, let me give you God's order. What I believe is God's order, okay? Here we go. Here it is. Believe, act, act receive. Believe, act, and then receive. That's God's order. You see, when our belief changes or our value changes, our habits start to change too. Let me give you another example. When I was, I was dating this girl back here, who's now my wife, my values changed. All of a sudden, instead of valuing sleep, I valued gazing into her eyes. And instead of valuing saving money, I valued a bunch of mozzarella sticks at a restaurant hanging out with her, and I spent all my money on food and whatever, right? So my value changed, and so what happened? My habits changed too. The same is true in our walk with God. If we say our belief changes, guess what ought to also change? The way we act. And so you see how faith works together with our actions, In fact, our action really becomes the completion of our faith. And so God's order is is believe, act, and then receive. When you believe, it should affect how you act about it. So God's provision, God's healing, God's restoration in our life usually comes after the action, not before. And I think this is where many of us are camped out. We're waiting for something to download in our life before we'll act. And God says, faith doesn't work that way. And yet, Many of us are acting that way and we're saying, well, I guess this faith thing just doesn't work for me because I believed and God didn't give me anything to work with and so now I didn't get anything at the end. That's not the faith life that's described in scripture. So it's kind of like this. I love this illustration. You have a quarterback. He drops back in the pocket. He's looking for a receiver. A receiver's on the run and the quarterback releases the football. Now, where is the quarterback releasing the football? I can tell you he's not aiming it at where the receiver is when he releases the football. He's aiming it at where he anticipates the receiver ending up, and that's where he's throwing the football. And so many of us, we see, we're treating like God is just going to throw it right where we're at, and so we just stop and we wait. And God's saying, no, I want you to get there, and provision will end up where you need to be. And so many of us are saying, well, provision's not right here, and we stop running. And God says, I'm going to give you provision there. Let me give you an example. I'll just close up with this story. Talked about a house, buying our house. Well, we had kind of in the house shopping process. How many of you guys have ever been through that process? It's not always fun. We were shopping for a house a couple years ago, and we found this house that we really liked, and we thought, oh, this is a pretty good deal. It's everything on our list. And we went, and we started the negotiations, and we got within $1,000 of the negotiations now, the problem was we had very distinctly heard from God. I know you, you think it's crazy, but we heard from God on a number that we shouldn't go over. And it was $1,000 over that number. And no matter how hard we negotiated, they weren't going to come down. And so we very, I mean, it was very hard for us to walk away from that. But we did, and we walked away from that. We heard the voice of God, and we followed God on that. And fortunately, we did that because... It, later on, we heard that the whole basement was flooded and everything was not what they said it was, and we just were like, "Phew!" But we were kind of worn out from that process. So we found another house that we liked. We went through this whole process. We get to the end of it, and something was wrong with the appraisal. They weren't counting certain rooms, and so the valuation was, was lower than what it should have been, and everybody knew that. And yet, they closed it all down, and the bank said, no, we can't do it because it's all based on that end closed door. And so we had... This in-between time, how do you guys love the in-between times with God, right? You get to a certain point, and then you're in-between, and you don't know what's next. And so we were there in the in-between. And as we were there in the in-between with what to do next, our only options were to walk away or to start the process all over again, pay for another appraisal on the slight chance that they might change it. And as we were in the in-between, Becca said, I really feel like it's God that we're supposed to have this house. Like, I feel like a word from God. And I said, well, all right, I'll hook up with your faith on that. And so we just settled in. We really felt like that was God, even though the circumstances didn't look like that. And so we had belief. And so what did I do? I started acting like the house was mine. So I would go and I would sit on the back deck. It's probably illegal. But I would go and I would sit on the back deck. I even prepared a couple sermons on that back deck before I actually had a key. And and I would go and I would act like it's mine. And in fact, at one point, when it looked like the door was closing even tighter, I went up and I wrote my name on the house. Because I believed that God said it was for us. And so my natural action is to begin to act like it's mine. Now, I don't necessarily recommend all of that I did, but it's how I felt God leading me to do it because I need to act like it. now, long story short, everything turned around, the appraisal came back. Way different than the other thing. Everything came back. We closed sooner than they were expecting before. Uh, we didn't even have to pay for the appraisal. They just waived the cost in the end. And I, and I say that to say, we got to get our act right. And if I would have just said, okay, we believe and walked away, I don't know what would happen we got to get our act right. And so I'm closing with this. Faith needs to come to completion. If you believe something, your actions ought to start lining up with that. If you say you believe you're healed, then you ought to start acting like you're healed. If you say you believe that God is your source, then we shouldn't be worried about provisions. Because our actions need to line up with our believing regardless of our circumstances. Amen? Would you guys stand up? And we're going to close up with this one thought. If there's something that you've been believing for that you're not acting on, let me ask you the question. Are you really in faith, or do you need to let your actions line up with your believing? I believe as we do this that hope is going to rise up again. Some of you guys are facing some things, and you're saying, faith doesn't work for me. Maybe it's your act is out of order. Maybe you just need to get your act in the right place. So close your eyes for just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to bring some conviction or some conversation to your heart right now maybe there's something that you've been believing for but you've been expecting god to drop something in there first before you take that first step and i'm just su- submitting to you and suggesting to you that maybe god's not going to give you that next thing but he's going to want you to step not knowing where your foot's going to fall and as we sing this last song i want you to just let new faith and new hope rise up god may even give you instruction during this time God may be even revealing a step that you need to take that you may not know the conclusion of that step. But as you say, Lord, I'm going to let my actions line up with my believing, regardless of my circumstances, then I believe as we get our act in the right order that the receiving will come. And the truth is, as we have faith, the Bible says faith is the evidence that we actually have the proof in the believing, even before it manifests in the natural. We already have the proof because there's actual faith there. Just The actual presence of faith proves that the receiving will come. And we've got to rest in that and trust in that and begin to walk in that. And so, Lord, as we sing this next song, Lord, I pray that you would reveal things, that you would confirm things, that you would speak new things, and that you'd let hope and faith rise up in the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.